the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Wow, we hit 70 degrees this week, only in Cleveland. Uh, maybe that uh, the groundhog is right. Who knows? Anyway, the, most, the important thing is to not to stop questioning. You should know, Albert Einstein. Talk is cheap because supply exceeds demand. I can't remember who said that, but I had to use it. <laughs> I heard it this week, and I had to use it. Anyway, uh, if you want any of the information that we talk about on this show, please go Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up. You can always know it's me because right below my picture is, remember, buy low, sell high, right? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, we have a bunch of lists this week, which I think are really dynamite, and I, I talk about this all the time. And um, you know, I haven't been sending out the bond list because uh, yields are down quite a bit, so you want to wait for that to bounce back up, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but we have our dividend growth portfolio, and there's a couple names on the list that got hammered. And I think it's, you know, when dividend stocks, look, you can't fake a dividend, okay? You can't fake a dividend. So, you know, as long as the dividend holds, you're in great shape. Uh, so I've got several names on that list that look really, really good. Uh, also, our best idea list, our newsletter, our prime income list. For those of you who are retired already, this yields over 4%. And remember, dividends are taxed at 15%. Uh, there's an Obamacare tax there too, so I think it's another you know percentage point and a half. It used to be three, but it's still cheaper than bonds. Okay, still cheaper than bonds, still cheaper than CDs, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to talk a little bit about municipal bonds today too, so I'll, I'll uh, go there. Uh, but we have a lot of good stuff on there. Bob Dickey, who's coming to town April eighth at the uh, the Marriott. Uh, he, he does the tech daily technical analysis on the right-hand side. We have market week, which kind of wraps up the market. We also, t- we're talking about interest rates. We think they're going to be lower for longer. And I have a very scientific way of showing you that if you want to come and see me. Um, and then we also talk about cyber uh, security, uh, cyber strategy. It's, you know, good stuff. Uh, you know, I always talk about insurance on this way and, uh, and on the show. And do you have the old insurance or do you have the new kind of life insurance? The old, you have premiums, death benefit, maybe cash value, unless you're doing term. The new, you also have a living benefit where you can also tap the benefit during your lifetime to pay for long-term care. I'm telling you, the price of insurance has come down. Uh, term insurance, if you haven't taken a look at your term insurance and turned it in and got more term insurance, you probably t- should take a look. We also have our March newsletter. It's, uh, you know, we're talking about, what are the dates that uh, you need to know about 2018 federal tax uh, income returns or income tax returns? Sorry about that. And how much you uh, you thought about your health care and health care costs. 
Remember, uh, Medicare comes at 65. you got to at least sign up for it. And I, I keep telling you about this technology, Internet, media, and telecommunications conference. There's only been two or three people that have, that have called in for this. There, are, there have been so many home runs, and I'm talking about home runs from this conference. I'm talking about stocks that are 30, 40, 50% since the conference. All right? So, anyway, I just uh, highly recommend it. Uh, the other piece I'm going to talk about is rewriting retirement. And, uh, look, if, if you've got retirement in 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, you should get a hold of this. It's a beautiful piece. It explores the shifting mindset of new generations of retirees. And it, it, it's very, very much in detail. It's a great piece. So, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, also, you know, I, I've said this before and I'll, I'll make this, I'll send this out a couple more times and then I'm going to kill it. Uh, we have a wealth strategist and, and, you know, he, he, he looks at your, uh, estate plan and look, 99% of all estate plans are written to the law. The question is, are they written to you, the intent you want them to? Okay, I've had numerous clients say, ah, oh, that's not written. You know, I mean, that's not what I meant. And so uh, he has the ability to take a look at that and, and take it from there. We also have Social Security stuff that you should probably take a look at. <laughs> hey, according to the tech, technonomic study uh, published by Pizza Magazine, 83 of the consumers eat pizza at least once a month. Furthermore, the pizza industry around the world continues to expand with a five-year growth, uh, a five-year growth uh, ahead of going ahead 10%. That's, that's huge. By the way, the number one brand is still Pizza Hut. And by the way, that would probably be the number one stock in that field too, uh, which is Yum Brands. I mean, it looks like a great, great chart. Uh, not recommending. It's up a lot. I already own it. Uh, not recommending at this point. So uh, there you go. Don't recommend stocks on this show. Also, the number of job openings in the U.S. rose in December uh, in 2018 to the highest level since 2000. Of course, uh, everybody's beating Mr. Trump up about it. You know, things are too good. Economic output in the Eurozone was, was lower in 2017 than it was in 2009. Over the same period, gross domestic product grew 139% in China, 96% in India, and 34% in the U.S. How's that? According to Samuel P. Huntington, an American political scientist uh, advisor, by the way, no large country in the world as productive as the U.S. Uh, United States averages more than uh, more hours of work a week uh, of work a year. I'm sorry. The gap between U.S. and other countries is growing. That's what they call socialism, folks. Yeah, uh, socialism. You know, it's it's phenomenal. You, you see the people of Venezuela trying to get the heck out of there uh, because of socialism. And here we got half the world, you know, half the uh, Democrats trying to initiate socialism. Something's wrong there. Remember, I talked last week about spring cleaning. Take a look at some of your stocks and 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 see which ones are working and which ones are not, and make some decisions. Um, look, I think choosing wisely is a paramount when it comes to achieving optimum uh, investment results. And it's, it's behavioral psychology teaches us several important lessons on how investors' minds operate. Although economics assumes human behave rationally, they usually don't. Uh, relying too much on our our own experience, office uh, our, our own experience prevents us from doing so. Um, so what I think you have to do, you know, look, I want you to think about it. How can an investor beat 
psychological pitfalls and navigate the markets? One answer is use the outside view. The outside view relies on data from comparable situations and utilizes the evidence, the, the experience of others. Okay. The other one, um, you know, when evaluating prospective equity returns, the inside view entails considering all the current issues and trends in the economy. A lot of people do that too. So it, Believe me, a lot of people put too much of their own heart into the situation when they should be rational. Uh, Jeff Gunlock, who was absolutely right on Apple, absolutely right on a lot of things, says we are on the road to a large debt problem. And, you know, we don't have a taxing problem. We have a spending problem in this country, as far as Tim Hayes is concerned. And, uh, you know, by the way, he, he, he doesn't think that you know there's an absolute chance for a recession in 2020 it's a possibility he thinks but he also said that uh, there's so many people think there is going to be a recession that there probably is not going to be um, but if you look at the the buildup of public and private debt you know if there's going to be a problem it's going to come from the debt side probably not the equity side and uh, you know the several the federal deficit could rise to eight percent of of GDP in a recession now. So, I mean, it'd be big. Um, some people think it's a crackpot idea, but he said, uh, he, he, he really dismissed the modern, uh, monetary theory. I mean, he, he just lambasted. He said the biggest crackpot idea I've ever heard. <laughs> He's a smart guy. You know, I, I had a question this week, uh, from, uh, I can't read her handwriting. I can't read my own handwriting. I think it's Helen. Uh, Helen asked me about uh, target date funds, and I'll just say this about target date funds. If you've got a balanced fund, the target date funds are kind of beating you at your own game if you've got a balanced fund, uh, and they've been doing so for a pretty long time. So, uh, you know, if you have a balanced fund, I would transfer that into target date funds. Uh, you know, not knowing your situation, I'm not making that a, a, a you know, a guarantee or anything like that, but... They, they are doing, you know, if you need a specific amount of money at a specific time, the target date funds work pretty well. Uh, one thing that interests me is the municipal bond market, and, and it stands at a remarkable crossroads. The supply of new bonds is limited, but recent tax changes are driving increasing demand. So you got a credit dynamics are also shifting the muni market in ways that broaden the opportunity set and may reward, you know, if, if you're careful, some security selection. So, Municipal bonds are relatively scarce at this point. The municipal bond market size has remained relatively steady despite the recent growth in treasuries and corporate debt issuance. So demand for municipal bonds has increased and may continue to grow as selected provisions of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, including limitation of tax deductions, are realized. That's simple. So until the financial crisis, most bond issuers were rated AAA, and and that's changed because (laughs) uh, everybody got sued. (laughs) That's what it came down to. So issuers, um, as well as the structure and the covenants of the bond, have changed too. So they're really watching this uh, very, very closely. But, you know, uh, I think you want to stay informed on that because I think there's some stuff going on. I did see some really interesting preferreds come across our desks. Uh, you know, and I'll just say that, you know, look, I'm not going to tell you what the preferred is or recommend it. But, you know, these have coupons of 6, 6% or about 5 and 3 quarter percent yields, just a little bit above uh, – par uh so you know uh, there's there's some interesting stuff out there and i i'm seeing more and more really interesting municipals come across my desk so um and by the way they're yielding high they're higher than treasuries 
So you got a tax, you know, state tax free and federal tax free in the state of Ohio, and they're trading higher than treasuries. Isn't that interesting? So uh, there we go. Well, it's been a decade since the stock market bottomed on March 9th of, of 2009. Uh, remember, two days after that happened, I came on the show and said it's probably a good time to buy. And <laughs> I heard some interesting emails. Uh, but look, you know, 10 years ago, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, the market was down about 56% from its high. Unemployment was over 8% and hurling towards 10 Um we had just reported that GDP dropped 6.2% annual rate in the fourth quarter of 2008. Um, and it was like the world was coming in. You were tired, exhausted from living through this, and you fall into a deep sleep. <laughs> you come back 10 years later, and look what's happening. The stock market's up uh, uh, in a huge way, um, and you know things have changed. So, so look, you get, the, you get the QQQs hitting the new high, and I'll just say what I said last week. If you would have gone all to cash... With you had fifty thousand dollars, you'd have fifty one seven nine one. Then, if you had fifty thousand in bonds, you'd have seventy one. If you stayed in stocks through all that volatility, your fifty thousand would now be worth two hundred and eight nine. Uh, so look, um, I, I did notice this week that bullish percent did turn down for the new for the S and P five hundred. So we could have some correction mode here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. All right, we're back. If you just tuned in and you want to hear the first part of the show, on Monday or Tuesday, WHK does a podcast. So just uh, go to WHK1420 uh, and you can hit, uh, you know, go to local podcast, go to Tim Hayes, boom, you can hear the podcast. By the way, it goes directly to my webpage. And why is that important? Well, on April 8th, and we're, we're running out of seats, by the way, uh, we're having Marshfield, who's one of the best deep value managers uh, in the power rankings. They just came number one. They've been in the top 10 for as long as I can remember. Uh, this is PSN now, so I'll, I'll explain it to you sometime in the future. And, they, you know, last year when everybody was down, they were up 3% almost. Okay, so uh, just, just a hair short of 3%. So they're very good at what they do. Plus, we're going to have Bob Dickey, who's our head technical strategist. Last year at the same time, um, Bob came up and said, well, there's an 18%, you know, between this line and this line. And he hit the nail on the head. He hit the nail on the head. It was actually 18.9%. And everybody was giving Marshfield a hard time about Chipotle. It's now up 90%. <laughs> so anyway, they'll be in town, uh, April 8th. It's a Monday, six to eight at the Marriott airport. If you want to, you know, you can sign up from my webpage or you can call us, whatever you want to do. Uh, the number at my office is 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or if you Bing or Google me, you know, Tim Hayes Radio, there's all sorts of contact me, email me's there, okay? So, look, if we look at the performance of the S&P 500 and I look at the top uh, companies uh, in the equal weight, it's so much different than the the actual trust, 
which is, you know, the market weight. Look, Cadi, General Electric, Keysight, which is, you know, one of those 5G plays, Netflix, Cadence, Xilinx, Masco, Synchrony Financial, uh, Denspy, Serona, and Sealed Air are the top winners. On the other side, on the weighted index, Facebook, Boeing, Netflix, Bank America, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Intel are. So, you know, if, if you look, uh, equal weight is once again doing much better than market weight. So, uh, you know, if you get the opportunity to, to be able to, in your 401k, whatever, if you're doing indexes, that's the best way to do it. Uh, and I, it's just amazing uh, how they've outperformed. You know, we watch, we watch this on a relative strength basis, and it's been nine years uh, of outperformance by the equal weight. So, so you know, we, we keep talking about this, uh, and if you get the opportunity, by the way, it's available to everybody outside of your 401k. So, you know, just so you know, it's beating it by about two and a half percentage points. If you beat something by two and a half percentage points over 20 years, you don't know how much money that is. On a compounding basis, it's huge, huge. Anyway, so, you know, a lot of people's typical portfolio is 100% equal weight or 100% cash or 100% capital, you know, capitalization weighted. And (laughs) if you're going to do that, Lean towards the equal weight, okay? So I mentioned uh, right before the end of the show that the bullish percent for the New York Stock Exchange did go into a column of, uh, not for the, I mean for the S&P 500, did do a, go into a column of O's this week. And so didn't the high-low index, the number of new highs versus new lows, they went to a column of O's this week too. So, you know, some things are starting to happen that, uh, you know, means it will probably be in that corrective phase that I've been talking about for three weeks. But if you look, uh, you know, what, what's the, who have been the best performing stock since the bottom? Well, the best one has been Ultra Beauty. The second one is American uh, Biomed. The third one is Netflix, which, by the way, right before RBC took over this, uh, my company, uh, I recommended Netflix was number three. United Rental, I, I actually owned some of, and Insight uh, was a name that I, I touted on this show also about insider buying. Uh, back that was in 2007, I believe. Apple, which we talked about, the double top at the at the peak, and then uh, and then Boeing, United Health, Visa, and American Express, they're all up somewhere between. You know, I mean, Ultra Beauty is up seven thousand percent. American Express is up nine hundred twenty-two. Now, if we look at the worst performing com- companies, Devon Energy, Hewlett Packard, Apache, CenturyLink, uh, actually own two of those oil companies, uh, Verizon. Chevron, Walmart, IBM, and ExxonMobil are the five worst performing in the Dow, but Verizon's up 118%, Chevron's up 109, Walmart's up 106, IBM's up 67, and Exxon's up uh, 24. So, you know, they're not bad. (laughs) Worst things have happened to you. Um, You know, and and I I looked at, well, I'm not going to go into that because it's a little bit difficult to to talk about on the radio. But anyway, uh, one of the things... uh, a lot of research has been trying to identify is they're trying to rank their top picks. And the problem with an analyst is that he, he'll rate it on the fundamentals, but the technicals may be not so great in that particular group. And uh, I noticed that Credit Suisse added medical supplies and devices uh, and, and also beverages, the big brands. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what they, what they're thinking, uh, you know, 
go, how, how their thinking goes. And the other area that we had a, you know, I've been talking about these software companies, and, you know, I've been talking about this, uh, you know, technology, internet, media, and telecommunications uh, seminar that we had back in November. And I've been talking about software. And I think people got to understand, if you have the companies that are softwares for sustainable growth, what we call subscription software, you're going to make a fortune, in my humble opinion. They're already up big, so you've got to wait for them to pull back. But our analyst, Matt Hedberg, is very bullish on this group, particularly for the long term. The bottom line is that software as a subsector is gaining market share within the information technology industry. The migration to a, what they call a centralized cloud, uh, cloud computing, that is, is one of the, the key forces driving this trend, and it likely has several years left. Software companies that have been successfully transform, transforming into the subscription revenue model that I talked about make more predictable revenue streams and enjoy higher returns on capital. Therefore, they have higher P.E. ratios. The growth people love them. So he regards their current valuations as middling, okay, uh, trading at a considerable but justifiable premium to the uh, fi- S&P 500. There was a brief period at the end where the valuations dropped to a more attractive level, and if that happens again, you know, we talked about it. We said we even said it in, in December several times. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of names out there that are doing this. I guess the cautionary note, overall IT spending appears to be slowing a little bit after its acceleration phase for the last few years. That may be what because of what the Fed did, okay? Software's market share gains should soften the blow there, though, okay, if they're sustained. Sustained, I'm sorry. The spending slowdown could leave some companies vulnerable. And there's a couple companies that, you know, um, I think the best way our analysts put it was they tried to do knee surgery while they were still running, okay? Meaning they were trying to go to a subscription model while they're still running their business the other direction. And, and I think that was the problem. But some of those got beaten up and they're really attractive companies right now. Um, look, uh, Hedberg highlighted some trends in the technology, uh, today that point towards sustainable adoption of these software solutions models. Okay. Uh, and this could be, you know, themes like hyper scale cloud computing, the internet of things, uh, artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now here's a couple top picks, but I'm not going to, uh, three or four top picks, but I'm not going to mention those. He also discussed two or three names, uh, that are starting to go to subscription, which may be huge, and I'll be probably buying those over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, the other thing I want to mention is uh, value versus growth. Value continues. I mean, we're at a spot where it, we we're hoping for a double bottom, but growth continues to outperform value. And, and when will that turn? This is the first time in history that on a rolling 10-year basis, value has underperformed growth. First time in history. So the question is, how much longer will that last? Now, Lori Calcivina, in a recent uh, small cap hedge fund review, she noticed uh, a couple things. She found that small cap value was work was working on the back of strength in small cap financials and a slight resumption in the value trade. So, uh, so if that continues, we'd be in great shape. Okay, so what are we seeing now? Well, Equity markets are likely moving to the early stages of a multi-month period of consolidation, I think, okay? Uh, a relative performance matrix, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of a similar setup. Uh, some of the leading growth in cyclical stocks are showing some early ev- evidence of decelerating. 
Um, in the short term, for traders, you know, two to three week pullback across the cyclical groups likely bottom last week is what I you know what I've seen. Um, I'm seeing some. Mu- Improving macro developments in lumber, oil, and some of the emerging markets. Okay, technology is definitely in the lead. Industrials have stopped going down, and home builders are are looking interesting. I'll just suggest that you know I look at the S and P five hundred, and the correction appears to be consistent with uh, cycle corrections that develop every four years. That's what occurred last year. So it may have just been a little bit early. Sometimes it's early. Sometimes it's late. Uh, you know, if you have a pullback in 2019, I think it's going to be shallower than it was in 2016. But, you know, 2016, it was a couple nasty corrections. So, you know, pay attention. Now, what's interesting is the weekly quadrant balance data, which is a measuring the percentage of stocks with positive weekly momentum, is very overbought. But the weekly momentum, as, uh, you know, looked at by momentum figures, uh, what they call the DAS of the SP 500, is just turning up. Uh, so, some couple strange things. Now, the S&P 500, uh, if it were, I, I didn't see the close Friday, but if it closed over 28.20, it stopped there five times. That would be big. That would be very, very big. If it failed, then I'd be paying attention. <laughs> uh, I also, growth versus value, mid-cap growth is just going crazy. That is 99% because of the software stocks I just talked about, Okay. Uh, small caps are attempting it. Large caps are nowhere to be found. Now, a couple other things I noticed is that the um, the economic sentiment remains oversold. And it shows some early signs of bottoming. But the the if I look at the American Association of Individual Investors, it's no longer bullish, but it's it's definitely neutral still. So you know, there you go. And I you know EEM on the on the global markets, the emerging markets still look great. The ten-year yields looks like it's stuck between two fifty and three. U.S. dollar looks like it's stuck between ninety-five and ninety-seven. Crude oil broke out this week and looks like it's going to sixty. Lumber futures, very interesting, very interesting. I, I'm also seeing very early evidence of of slowdown in information technology. Very early, very early. Okay, and very early evidence of the defensive sector starting to pick back up. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Uh, we'll see. Hey, we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, um, April 8th, Monday, 6 to 8, we're having Marshfield and Bob Dickey. Marshfield is one of the best deep value managers, I think, out there. Uh, Bob Dickey has won more awards as a technician than probably anybody I know. He uh, He's the guy on a daily technical analysis on my webpage. 
He's very good at what he does. He's a great speaker. He gets right to the point. He doesn't mess around. He's not afraid to tell you, hey, we're going up or we're going down. I mean, look, last time he was there, he talked about an 18%, you know, between the, the, two, the two uptrend lines. He, he hit it right on the head. And Marshfield, you know, I, I looked over accounts, and I, I, I don't see any of their stocks down right now. None of them. <laughs> so they're good at what they do. Uh, they'll be there. Uh, you can you can go to um, WHK1420. Go to local podcasts. Go to Tim Hayes. Uh, my webpage comes up. You know, you can click on my webpage. It'll come right back up. You can, you know, uh, hit the email me, uh, call me, whatever you want to do. Or you can just go to, you know, um, uh, my webpage. Uh, you know, Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio. I show up. And uh, just hit the contact me or email me if you'd like to go. Um, if you'd like any of the material we talked about, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our best ideas. Uh, I've been talking about ADRs on and off, but I haven't been really um, – I just can't get excited about Europe yet. I, um, I like the emerging markets and uh, China. You know, we, we talked about China and, and emerging markets about a month ago. They went straight up and came straight back down. Now we're going to talk about them again. Uh, I don't know about Europe, though. So um, – Anyway, now we're going to talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent uh, was designed just to be a risk risk gauge. Okay? So you don't do dumb things. <laughs> you know, Ben Franklin said, you know, you're born ignorant. Staying stupid is your own problem. Okay? So um, the, the point is, is that uh, what this does is just tells us when things are heating up too much or when suddenly the market's turned around and gone south on us. So what you do then, you don't have to sell everything, okay? You just maintain a closer stance to your portfolio. I mean, I spend a lot more time looking at charts and and things when when the market's coming down so make sure, you know, not, nobody gets hurt than when the market's going up. It's easy when the market's going up. When it's going down, then it's hard, okay? So what it is, this was a chart designed by a protege of Charles Dow, and he wanted to be bullish at the bottom bearish at the top. So we got a chart from zero to hundred back then they used point and figure charts, X's and O's. Okay. So X's is you, you have the offensive team on the field, depending on what your, your field position is. Let's say, you know, 30 and 70 are the two key field positions. When things were below 30, like they were Christmas Eve and Tim told you, Hey, don't get too bearish. And then when they get to 70, then things are red hot and you got to, that's when you want to be careful. Okay. Uh, and I think people, you know, think the wrong way. And, and so when the, the defensive team comes on the field, especially when it's above 70 and comes from above 70 to below 70 in a column of O's, that's when you want to, you know, you got the defensive team on. You want to tighten your stops, raise some cash, make sure you're paying attention. Okay. Sometimes domestic equities have been the number one asset class. They've been that way for about four years now. So, it's a lot easier. You can go through these things a little, little easier. It's not. It's no fun when you, you know, the market goes down. Never will be. <laughs> Psychologically displeasing to buy stocks when they're down, but that's when you're supposed to buy them. But anyway, so right now uh, we we backed off three and a half percentage points. We're at fifty three point three. We would reverse at fifty. So we're getting close there. And remember, the bullish percent for the New York Stock Exchange and also the high low index turned into a column of O's this week. As far as uh, the over-the-counter index, we were down 1.8%. We're at 43, we'd reverse at 38. And the world index was down 1.2%. We're at 46, uh, we'd reverse at 42. 
So we're in a column of X's. We're just getting close to a point where, you know, don't chase things. Let them come back to you. Uh, you know, people were chasing the fangs this summer, and we said to get out. Uh, now there's one or two fang stocks that I've been, been buying. I like them. Not all of them. Some of them, I think, are way overvalued, but, you know, uh, there we go. So, look, um, we started off with double-digit gains across uh, almost all the major indexes, including the NASDAQ 100, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, et cetera, et cetera. These gains have come back, uh, come against a, a backdrop of a potential U.S.-China deal, Brexit, and an evolving policy outlook from the Fed. And the market seemingly pushing these concerns to the back burner, only simply priced or simply priced into the to the expectations already. Who knows? The biggest question on investors' minds these days is can this rally continue through the year end? And I'm telling you, I think it's just going to be a flat sideways market for a while. And then at the end of the year, uh, you know, we, we kick into gear. Now, if I look at a point and figure chart, we have broken a quintuple top. We have not broken through, you know, like I said, 2020, uh, 2820 is the number we have to break through. Uh, we only had to break, uh, t- t- well, I mean, we touched 2820. So on a point and figure chart, they put an extra X there. You got to close above it on a regular chart. So we did break a quintuple top on the S&P 500. Yet the S&P 500, the bullish percent for it, fell into a column of O's. Hmm. So basically that's telling me that we're, we're, we're broke that quintuple top with a lot less stocks going up. All right. So just think about that for a while. Less stocks going up, but the index goes up because it's capitalization weighted. All right. So some of the names in the lower end of the, the index are not participating. You want total participation. So we, we had positive momentum last week and I said it was eight, seven, eight weeks. And I said that was normally, you know, the max, uh, what, Every one of the indexes went negative with the exception of the S&P 500 trust and the NASDAQ, which now it's been 10 weeks for both of those. So I would suggest that, you know, uh, probably we're getting close to the end of that. You know, once again, it's it's fewer, fewer stocks holding up the uh, the indexes. OK, uh, you know, I looked at the um, to date what is done best in the Dow. And it's been IBM, Cisco, Goldman Sachs, Exxon, United Technologies, Boeing, American Express, Nike, Visa, Apple, Intel, uh, Chevron, Microsoft, and Travelers. And the worst, the underperforming stocks have been Procter & Gamble, 3M, J&J, Home Depot, J.P. Morgan, Merck, Walmart, Disney, Caterpillar, Dow DuPont, McDonald's, Verizon, United Health, Coke, Pfizer, and Walgreens. So, interesting. Uh, now, we're also in a situation where, you know, we look at the um, uh, the bullish percent for the groups. And, you know, we started out this year with zero groups in favored status. Now, I only talk about the favored groups because if you buy the worst stock in a favored group, you probably do better than the best stock in an unfavored group. So at the top of the list is uh, electric utilities and gaming. They're at 70. They're both favored at you know, so I'd wait on those. Uh, at the the fifty eight uh, fifty eight sixty area is gas utilities, software, and semiconductors. You know, you can start to uh, buy some of those. There's still some that are down and out. Uh, at the fifty level, we have media, telecommunications, Wall Street, and insurance. 
you can start buying there. There's some pretty good places. And in biotech protection services and housing are 44. That's a good place to buy. And then uh, even better, at 38 is drugs. At 40 is restaurants and healthcare. And then precious metals is at 30. All right? So we only have, uh, we don't really have that many uh, groups that are down below 30 anymore. And remember, all but like five were down below 30 uh, um, back two months ago. So what a change. What a what a change. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I was looking, and it's probably one of the biggest reversal upheavals, I call, uh, that I've seen in, in uh, that short a period of time in a long, long time. So uh, kind of interesting. Now, I did notice that precious metals, even though the stocks just, you know, blipped up a little bit, they went to favored status. Hmm. And media stocks went to almost, uh, went to the lower end of uh, uh, favored status. Uh which is very interesting because, you know, some of these names like Disney's done nothing for four years. Comcast and, and uh, uh, you know, Viacom have done nothing. Uh, American uh, AMC just finally started to tick up a little bit. So Lionsgate's down and out. All right. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if that continues. On the international front, India. Uh, boy, I, I saw five or six uh, Indian ETFs that have all broken, you know, double or triple tops, and uh, that's very, very positive. Also, I noticed uh, I looked at three different Swiss ETFs, and all of them have broken their downtrend line, uh, which means they've gone from a not-so-solid citizen to a solid citizen, which is very positive. And then the other thing I really noticed, which would, you know, kind of spooked me a little bit, is the five-year Treasury yield broke a, a quintuple bottom to go to 2.4%. So... It's got a lot of overhang now, and you, you don't want to see the, the, you know, if interest rates are going down, <laughs> there's a problem. You know, that's remember when Obama said everything's great and the 10-year Treasury hit the, the all-time low? Look, if the 10-year Treasury is hitting the all-time low, you, everything's not great, okay? Growth is, you know, grinding to a halt. So this tells me that that's the one fly in the ointment, folks. That's why, you know... When I said earlier, some of the defensive stocks are starting to show up on my screens and some of the, the other names are starting, we're starting to see some deceleration in them. You know, pay attention, okay? So the U.S. Treasury bill, which this is interesting, has risen straight up. I mean, since 2017, this thing was yielding 2, 2%, uh, and now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's gone straight up to 2.5%. So, that's mostly because of interest rate hikes, by the way. As far as uh, commodities, crude oil's been positive for 11 straight weeks. Copper's been uh, positive for eight weeks, but got crushed on Thursday. And gold uh, and most of the commodity indexes have been uh, negative for a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I will say the U.S. oil funds, a couple of them have broken their downtrend line. I did, uh, you know, I did mention I thought oil broke out this week. As far as stocks moving to a relative strength buy signal, we're starting to name some names here. These aren't ones I'm recommending. They're just relative strength buy signals. Arquil and Biotechnology, CBRE Group and Real Estate, Omerist Corporation and Biotech, Stryker and Medical Products, uh, Molecular uh, Templates and Biotechnology, Quantina Communications, and Jounce Therapeutics. So a lot of biotech names there. Uh, one semiconductor company. Moving to a sell signal are Endo International, EOG Resources, FedEx, Geo Group, uh, Ursa, Ligant Pharmaceuticals, 
Stone, uh, Stone, uh, I'm sorry, Shoe Carnival and Suncoke Energy. All right, we'll be back. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and um, I hope you're having a good Saturday. Hope you got a couple cups of coffee into you. Um, if you if you drink coffee, that is. And now we talk about insiders. So we just talked about relative strength buys. So those are some names that you can start to put, you know, in, into your coffers. Uh, I'm not recommending any of these. Uh, you know, just telling you that. I just not recommending them. But I'm just telling you that they have relative strength buy signals and that there's insiders buying. All right, we'll start off with the first insider. Why do we, first of all, insiders are very early, but they know their company better than we do. And when they buy in big quantities, you should pay very close attention. The other area, I think if they buy multiple, you know, multiple people buy, you should pay attention also. The CEO and president, Arconic, he has bought six times the tune of $666,000 each time. That is not chump change, folks. Six times six uh, is a lot of money. CVS hit a new low, and then we had three insider buys of a total of one point one million. One of them being the CEO. Uh, both CVS and, and Walgreens have been getting whacked because uh, they're worried about Amazon getting into their business. And Kevin Tang, we've talked about Kevin numerous times. He's the chairman of the board of. On Donate Therapeutics, and he purchased 140,000 shares at 18 for 2.5 million. He already owns 13 million, uh, so that's about uh, a 14 percent ownership. So it's probably now 15 percent. Uh, Kevin Tang's a very bright man, and uh, I just mentioned that great looking chart in that one too. Uh, Alan Martin, who's uh, a beneficial owner of Oxbridge Re Holdings, bought another 120,000 shares. Now the value is a ninety-one cent stock. The value was only one hundred ten bucks, but he already owns three hundred sixty-six thousand. So that's now he owns uh, uh, four hundred eighty. So it's low price one, but it's it the holdings are ten percent. So that's why I brought brought it in. And then Siracor, uh, which is a biotechnology company, uh, Armitus, which is a uh, money manager, bought one point three million dollars, and then bought another six hundred ninety thousand dollars. Of the company after it dropped from seven fifty down to five fifty, uh, so they like it. Um, here's an interesting one: um, Lachlan, uh, he, uh, he he's he's part of the uh, the Fox crowd. Uh, Lachlan's the executive chairman. Uh, he bought sixteen million one hundred sixty nine. Now there's a deal with Disney coming up, so it's interesting that he's buying it at a new high. Uh, so I thought you know part of that company goes away. Also, another company that is 
you know, buy, there's somebody buying at a new high, is Sun Communities, which is a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. So it hits a new high, and one of their directors buys $30,300,000 uh, worth, which is not chump change, folks. And then here's one that's really down and out, Activision, which just got crushed from 85 down to 43. I actually owned this one for a long time. I sold it in the 80s and uh, just got crushed. Um, one of the directors bought $4.2 million, so you like to see him come to the rescue when when their stocks are down. And then NSTAR Group, which is a property casualty company, the president uh, bought about a million dollars worth uh, just on Thursday. So that's kind of interesting. And then I noticed a couple of filings this week. Um, there's a company called Telenave. And you may recall that just a couple of weeks ago, there were several insider buyers. Well, Divistar Capital Management, LLC, which is a hedge fund, reports now that they have an 8.6% stake in the company. Uh, Telenave is an Israeli-based company, uh, but they, they've been buying stock uh, for some time now, so they reported it. Um, so we had insiders buying, and then they make this report, which is kind of interesting. I actually think that they had it beforehand, but then I find that Nokomis Capital LLC bought 72,000 shares and they own 4.6 million or 9.8%. And they just bought that um, on February, it says uh, February 19th, but they also uh, have them buying some more on March 5th. Um, and then I noticed that Berkshire Hathaway, our friends at Warren Buffett's place, Bought an additional five point three of three six million shares of Delta. By the way, that's two hundred sixty five thousand or sixty five million. That ain't chump change. And now they own seventy million. That's about a five. It's almost a six percent position at this point. So that's a big chunk of change right there. And then Carl Icahn raised his stake in Caesar Entertainment to seventeen point seven five percent as of uh, March fifteenth. So uh, now Hamlet Holdings owns 5.7% of this too. And they they bought some, um, I think it was three weeks ago I mentioned those guys. So uh, there you go. And here's an interesting one, Akibia uh, Therapeutics. This is the first time I've ever seen uh, this company got an approval for a iron producer. And they went down. First time I ever saw it, right, right when Hillary made her tweet about drug pricing. So they get the approval. They worked really hard to get the approval, and the stock went from 16 all the way down to like 2. Uh, and, and then they got acquired, and, and now it's called Akibia. But the CEO bought 268000 another buyer 66000 another buyer of 80000 another buyer 65000 another buyer uh, 30000 The 80000 buyer was the CFO, by the way, and the, the CLO and secretary was the one buying 65000 So you like seeing that. All right, so um, look, the market uh, tends to trends that take place often take much longer to develop than a lot of people expect. And as the current trading range for the Dow and the S and P is, you know, has been a, for a year long, okay. And if there's little acknowledgement that a consolidation has taken place, nobody's talking about it. Uh, instead, investors and media tend to focus on either being bullish or bearish, and it's kind of interesting. So we're in this sideways movement. And, you know, if, if we got through 2,820 on Friday, and I, I, I probably should check on my phone, but, uh, um, you know, that's something to think about. And, you know, we talked last week about the utilities. Uh, the utilities stocks continue to be in a long-term bullish trend. And uh, if they were to break, uh, you know, the Dow utilities average would have broke over uh, seven, eh, 
call it seven sixty nine. Uh, that would be a you know probably a nice break. But um, you know we do have five tops at twenty eight twenty. So if we broke through this time, that would be pretty important. And uh, but we you know the thing is if if the bullish percent is going down for the S and P five hundred, then we're we're breaking out on less and less companies going up, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Now, the, I guess the big news of the week is oil broke out. It broke out, uh, you know, it, it had several short-term peaks at 57.58, and it broke th- through that this week. So it's probably headed up to the next resistant area of around 65. And I noticed that the oil stocks, especially in the small cap area, there, there are some big hitters buying some of the smaller cap stocks. There's some big, big hitters buying some of the drillers who are down and out uh, guys like Paul Singer and uh, you know, and well, just some big hitters. Let's just put it that way. So th- that'll be uh, very interesting. And remember um, what um, Tom McQuellen said last week, he said he thought that, you know, the, the oil price slide was in 2014 and usually the stock market has a slide 10 years later. So, you know, it leads the stock market by about 10 years. So 2024, he's, he's thinking about there might be a slide. But he sees no problem in 2021 uh, or until 2021. Uh, you know, he was a little bit worried about gold at that point. But, uh, he, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't jump off a cliff or anything like that. So, look, here's, here's a couple things uh, that I've seen uh, so far this year. Uh, first of all, uh, the small caps have really outperformed the large caps. And we were talking about how cheap the small caps were back in the fall. We said they were two and a half, three standard deviations below normal. They were actually below where they were in 2007, 2008 when the world was ending. Uh, but this continues. So, you know, the small caps are up like 21 to 22%. The S&P's up uh, 15 since, uh, you know, we, we bottomed um, in December. So, you know, you know, that that's a big positive because you want to see the small caps uh, do well. Uh, you know that means that the money's going throughout the economy, just not staying with the large caps. The other thing is the ten-year index got right up to the point where we thought it was going to break out and then broke broke down again. So uh, this is the yield index now, okay, not the the uh, the outright index. And I also noticed that our friends at Bitcoin. Continued to bottom. They're not making new highs. They're not making new lows. Just going sideways. So, uh, and it had a couple slips here, a couple moves up, and 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 don't know what that means. But maybe uh, Bitcoin's becoming a little bit more mainstream. Who knows? And then you know, um, just a, a week ago, uh, communication services jumped. Well, actually, tied consumer cyclicals, which had been in fifth place on the dynamic asset level investing that our friends Dorsey Wright, by the way, they provide us with a bullish percent every week, uh, provide us with. And uh, communications, remember, 5G is coming, folks. The equipment guys will go first, and then I think I think the uh, cable guys are, you know, they got to start spending a lot of money because they, they haven't spent it on 4G, that's for sure. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I know Verizon is. You know, I, I talked to two of my clients, and Verizon is, you know, putting in cable into their community right now. So where are we? Well, in the short term, we're bullish. Uh, the intermediate term, we're neutral. Long term, we're very, very bullish. Very, very bullish. So uh, what what do we do now? Well, first of all, um, I think you want to take a look at the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Uh, there's some of these names that got beat up. They, that means their yields go up. You buy yield when it's up. 
So for all you retirees, the prime income list is some low volatility names that increase their dividends on a fairly regular basis, uh, but have high dividend yields right now. I think the yield right now is 4.15%. Believe me, if you get a 4.15% yield, you know, you got to, you, you got to, uh, have a, you have a, you have a problem if you're buying bonds for two and a half, three percent because they're getting taxed at regular income while they're getting, these are getting taxed at 15%. The dividend growth portfolio for you guys are 40 or 50, you know, and you get these high quality names that can, you know, look, you can't fake a dividend. Okay. They keep increasing their dividend every year, every year, every year, every year. And when they, when they cut their dividend, they're out. Okay. They're out, they're gone. And, but you get those guys continuing for, you know, periods of times, long periods of times. And man, the compounding effect is, is very, very unbelievable. I mean, believe me, I've got five or six people that are doing that right now. They love it. Don't forget our top ideas. Uh, our best idea list, uh, are great in our newsletter. So you just go to, you know, you, you bring your Google Tim Hayes radio and just hit the contact me or email me. Don't forget April 8th, six to eight o'clock at the Marriott airport. We're having a double feature. <laughs> We're having Bob Dickey, our head technical strategist, won more awards than I'd like to ever think about. And, and our friends at Marshfield who were up last year, not many people were, and our great deep value managers. It's a great show. They were great last year. They'll be great next year. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes from the Smart Investor Show. Just for, don't forget to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.